All right, good morning and welcome to Web3 Wednesdays, where we chat through some of the complex and nuanced topics in Web3 and crypto at large so that you can stay ahead of the curve. So today I am joined by Philip Collins. He's an associate over at Convoy Ventures, which is a prominent gaming fund that focuses on infrastructure, technologies and platforms that drive the frontier of gaming. So Convoy recently launched a $150 million fund to back a target of 30 gaming firms over the next two and a half years, which includes Web3 gaming entities. Phil's position on that team gives him a bird's eye view of the direction that early stage gaming ventures are starting to turn in the space. And we are keen to get his take on where Web3 Gaming evolves from here. So, Philip, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate you having me. All right. Well, jumping right into it here. Can you explain a little bit about your role at Convoy and some of your own Web3 Gaming work? Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm part of the investment team here uh, as an associate on the on the investment team, as you mentioned, um, which, which for me really means working on everything from sourcing, evaluating opportunities and, and going through with the execution of the investments that we make. Uh, we're an investment team of six in total. So it's kind of an all hands on deck type of, of structure where everyone's pretty intimately involved with with everything that we're working on at, at any given time. Um, for, as a fund, we're particularly focused on infrastructure and tech within gaming. Uh, so that applies to both you know Web3 and traditional uh, games uh, and uh, within web3 in particular we we actually got involved kind of early last year through sky mavis that was our first investment into the into the web3 ecosystem so i'd had a pretty front row seat into everything that's gone on since since the the rise of, of axie infinity um you know Web3 is interesting for us because as an infrastructure and tech fund, the route that we took ended up looking a lot more content heavy than what we typically do. And so we've done investments in things like Cypher and Genopets and a couple other unannounced studios. Um, I think the way we looked at Web3 last year was having blockchain in a game was almost an infrastructure layer in and of itself. And so we we got pretty heavily involved there. Um, I think as the, the, the content portfolio um, became a little more saturated uh, of, of content teams going towards Web3, uh, we've ultimately shifted a little back towards the, the infrastructure uh, focus that, that we've always had. So that's, that's kind of how we worked with Web3 in the past and definitely excited about the future, but also, you know, I think cautiously optimistic in the, in the near term. I think that's fair across the board. And I also like that framing of the past versus the future, because that ties in very well into the theme that I really want to, uh, you know, kind of tackle here, which is, you know, this idea of uh, we've seen the first wave now of Web3 mm -hmm. gaming and how that plays out so far. Um, how do you see what originally classified that first wave of Web3 gaming? What were kind of the key characteristics and takeaways that we all saw in that first iteration of the industry? Yeah, I mean, at the, at the foundational level, it was really all about uh, the 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 notion of ownership and the ability to have your time and contribution within a game ecosystem rewarded. And I, I think that Sky Mavis was actually a great example of this because the rise of Axie Infinity is really what brought this to the forefront of, of public attention. You know, Sky, Axie Infinity was not the first blockchain game around, and it wasn't the first time somebody had worked on one of these, but it was the the first instance of of it becoming you know a popular phenomenon or a worldwide phenomenon. Um, and so I think that the the notion of, of ownership was really the core part of the beginning. And so Web3 Gaming really did begin in the context of um, uh, financial outcomes, right? I think, you know, we talk about it all the time where everyone seems very financially oriented in blockchain games. And that's been one of its downfalls up to this point. And I think a big reason for that is the first wave of games was, was heavily focused on the earning components versus having some kind of deep core loop. I mean, you know, we're investors in Axie, but it's not the most complex or the deepest video game in the world. Um, you know, it had a, it had a great trading card game loop that a lot of people really enjoyed, but a big appeal was also the, the 
ability to to monetize the the skill that you had in that world. Um, and so I think I think that's really what what characterized the first wave to me. Yeah, and I, I think that's totally fair. The, the financialization of you know users' time and assets, et cetera, it's uh, it's a unique theme that I think is likely to stick around for quite some time here. And you know, mm-hmm. as we move into, I think what arguably could be called you know the second wave of Web three gaming here, some of those trends that caught on really really early uh, in the early Web three gaming days may or may not continue to stick around. Right, we've seen a couple. Uh, substantial industry shifts around what people think is sustainable, around what people think is fun. Where are you seeing, you know, some of those core characteristics that kind of, uh, you know, speak to the foundation of what could be the next wave of Web3 gaming? Yeah, I think the next wave of Web3 gaming will look a lot like the current wave of traditional gaming in many ways. And I know it's a little bit of a cheap answer because everyone's kind of just constantly talking about how games need to be more fun in Web3. And I know that sounds like such an interesting um, retort for what's been happening, but at the end of the day, it's true, right? If you want to appeal to the 3 billion gamers in the world, you have to make games that they want to play. And so that's part of shifting away from just the financialization of games and and moving towards having thriving in-game economies uh, and and asset libraries that people want to buy, Um, not just because they think they can flip them for a quick buck, but because there are games that people you know, want to engage with on a, on a daily, weekly basis. And so I think that you know, at, at its core on the content side, it's about building content that people want to play. And again, as simplistic as that sounds, we don't have to reinvent the wheel of what makes a fun game. Um, and we see so many great games teams moving into the Web3 space. And I think the most promising thing about it, that is they know how to capture audiences' attention and make things that, that are perceived as fun, whatever that is to, to a given gamer or a given you know, member of, of that, that gaming audience. Um, I also think the, the, the next wave of Web3 will be character, characterized just by easier use of these games. And as an infrastructure and tech fund, that's constantly what we're thinking about is how do you make it not just more interesting to the user, but also more feasible where there's not as much friction to to get on and, and, and play a game for the first time. You know, I think we've seen that with Sky Mavis where you had to really want to play that game, put in time and effort to, to make sure that your funds got into the Ronin network and into the Axie Infinity ecosystem more broadly. Um, so I think we're, we've continued to see more and more infrastructure flow into this space, but whether it is a game studio itself or an infrastructure provider, building the bridge for traditional gamers and just making it more of a seamless approach of, of playing a game, I think will be will be a big part of that next wave. I think we'll continue to see uh, more community-driven development, which is something that's always been a big part of the, the Web3 ethos, if you want to call it that, um, where the community is, is not just a passive consumer of the game, but an active participant in how it should be built and how it should be um, managed throughout throughout its live ops phase. Um, I, I think all of these are, are, are core parts. Maybe one of my, my hotter takes on, on the next wave of gaming is, we may see uh, less usage of what we what we've seen in the past of volatile tokens, um, where you have prices that are constantly fluctuating for for a game's currency. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more stable currencies or, or hard currencies implemented, just so that users are constantly aware of what the value of of a token is. And I think you can still do ownership, and you can still still do everything that that Web three really has to offer. Um, without necessarily having the the volatile token, obviously, the the reason for it is having a, a fixed supply, and having that that fixed supply really makes people feel like equity um, owners. But I think there's still a lot you can do around ownership without that in a way that's a little bit less intimidating to the the non blockchain natives that are that you're targeting as a game developer. 
Philip, I love that across the board. And I, I, I honestly could not agree more with every single one of those points. And I, I think, you know, off the top there, some that obviously stand out, some of the, the, the more evident ones, right, is a return to actual gameplay, right? Number one. Number two, an easier user onboarding experience, right? Really making sure that the UX here is smooth. And number three, this idea around making blockchain, you know, maybe not just about the financialization of the assets, but maybe just a return to some form of you own what you do in the game. And it's the mm-hmm. user's choice where that goes from there, right? And maybe it's not this direct comparison to an equity entity, right? Where you like own parts of the game and you can financialize that. Maybe it's just, you know, you, you can trade your assets inside the game now. You, you can yeah. interact with other third-party marketplaces. So I, I agree. There's there's a ton of different ways that I think that the space is going to go here in a little bit. And I think that we're starting to really see the early roots of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are there any uh, really, really uh, speaking broadly, I don't want to make you call out any games here in particular, but are there any game genres, you know, in particular that you think are, uh, th- that really lend themselves well to these new themes you know as we kind of walk into this the second phase of web3 gaming here yeah it's interesting because the first phase of web3 gaming was characterized by a lot of what i would call copycats in a lot of ways where there were a few different genres that people tended to, to centralize themselves around and so for a while that was trading card games following axie um, that was RPGs, things like horse racing games. And I think that, that that first wave was a lot of games where blockchain and, you know, transacting uh, in-game assets and owning in-game assets and also, you know, wagering and, and whatnot fit seamlessly into the way the games were structured. So with trading cards makes sense. You know, you own them, you trade them, you, you have a, a different deck as you, as you evolve and as the metagame evolves. Same thing with RPGs, with complex item systems, same thing with horse racing, with, with wagering. Um, and so we, we saw a lot of kind of like, I don't want to call them simplistic games, but just a lot of, a lot of repeats um, to be, to be completely honest. As we go into the next phase, I mean, I think it's, it's funny because Technically, you can apply blockchain to just about any genre that has cosmetics. Um, and so you can, you can try to implement on-chain economies into just about any, any of those games. So whether it be a first-person shooter, an RPG, RTS, MOBA, there's, there's elements of blockchain that can be infused into those. I do think I've, I've, I'm particularly excited about the, the implementation of, of Web3 and NFTs into, into game structures that have some kind of like metagame around them. And I think this is something you and I have talked about in the past, Sam, where adding value to your NFT in, in ways that aren't necessarily directly involved in the, in the gameplay loop, where you know, having a social or political element to, to the game ecosystem is, is a really cool way to infuse value into these assets in a way that is, is very non-traditional um, and is, is a really cool way to log the historic action of a character and item and understanding what has put value into that in the past. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's pretty open-ended and I think that the possibilities truly are endless in some ways at the, at the surface level of, of tradability, but, you know, getting, getting deeper, I think it's not even necessarily a genre thing. It's more of a, a gameplay um, style that, that we'll, we'll continue to see play out. Though, Philip, I, I love that. Yeah, and it, it, the the cosmetic point that you started with is also just so spot on, right? I mean, CS:GO skins markets legendary, mm-hmm. right? And you you take exactly that same concept and you map it into your Fortnite skins, your League of Legends skins, etc. Totally non-gameplay, you know, impacting in any capacity. You don't pay to no. win unless you consider, you know, certain skins to be busted because they blend in with the textures better. That's about the only way you can get away with it. 
Um, and that, that really does, you know, lend itself very well to your second point, right? Which is it, it, it may not necessarily be about genres as much as how we can, you know, basically enable this second layer, this metagame on top of the original game itself without impacting core gameplay. And obviously gamers are very sensitive to things like pay to win, right? Like that's obviously a major concern. And so anytime you introduce trade or financialization of assets, you're going to have claims of pay to win. Um, and so, yeah, these are items that I think are going to be very, very interesting. And I think you're going to end up with a lot of multi-layered games. Uh, you know, frankly, stuff like Cult of the Lamb, for example, where you have mm -hmm. two different game types that are molded into one. And maybe one half is, you know, personal and fungible and you get to trade and you can have your own assets, et cetera. And then the rest is like a core esports type game loop. Those types of things, I think, are going to see some substantial play here over the next 12 to 18 month period. Yep, definitely. Um, and then I, you know, kind of uh, digging in tangentially to that, right? So games are one component of the gaming industry. Obviously, the gaming industry is larger than just content pieces. There's infrastructure, there's platforms, there's socializing. There's a lot of different components that need to come together here. So as we kind of look forward into where we estimate Web3 gaming is going to be in the next 12 months, are there any core pillars, uh, you know, of gaming at large that you think are still missing or that, you know, may become even more critical than they already are that you would pay attention to as we migrate into a more Web3 friendly gaming environment? Yeah, I think that there's there's so much infrastructure being thrown at the problem right now, right? We've seen countless wallets, marketplaces, analytics tools, all these foundational pillars that are, are designed to make it easy for traditional game devs to make Web3 enabled games. Um, I think that you know, we, we've we've hit a little bit of a wall of innovation in that in that space. I think everyone is kind of ha kind of has the same foundational goal of make it easy to play these games, make it easy to engage with these games. But at the end of the day, I think the infrastructure is going to need to be informed by the content that comes to the market. Um, this is this is a concept that Union Square Ventures talked about a couple of years ago in the myth of the infrastructure phase. We're building infrastructure that is, is too separated from its content, kind of leads you to create slightly misguided or or misaligned infrastructure um, projects. And so I think we're, we're starting to see a little bit of that in in Web three gaming, where infrastructure that's been developed has has really been been guided by the shortcomings of, of existing content. And that, that existing pool of content is actually relatively small. I think most of the games that, that we talk about on a day-to-day on -day basis are still in development, right? Uh, the number of live games with, with real audiences is, is pretty, pretty tiny out there right now. And so I think that we're going we're gonna to continue to need to see the infrastructure players adapt to that. And that doesn't mean that they're not solving a core problem today, but they're solving the current problem that is, is faced by a small number of users. And I think it, it it's it's really about keeping eyes open and, and adapting to the content over time uh, and making wallets and onboarding tools um, and marketplaces and analytic suites that that are really informed by by the games themselves. And so I think there's there's a lot of infrastructure building in isolation right now and and that'll that'll have to evolve over time. But um, yeah, the, the, the core suite is, is being built. Um, it's just how far can it actually go? I think that's that's the maybe a concern that I have in, in that world. Today. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And what we've seen, you know, even from a venture perspective, is that uh, it, it seems like a lot of the early content plays have actually just started to pivot into being infrastructure plays for one mm -hmm. reason or another. They, they you know, just a, from a business and financial standpoint, they gave up on their content and want to sell infrastructure. And so I, I do yeah. think that there is the risk of exactly like you said, like there's a lot of infra that's building in isolation, frankly, for a very, very small set of users. 
And we do still need to see exactly how, you know, the actual games that consumers ultimately end up adopting, what issues they run into and what the infra needs to be actually building towards um, mm. before, you know, a, a lot of folks keep, you know, kind of building in the dark and, and shooting in the dark here. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that things like Discord have spun out of, you know, an, an initially ambitious game projects, which is, you know, the, the, you find new problems that you want to solve and that's right. they end up being more ubiquitous than, than a single piece of content can be. And I just think we'll see a lot more of that in the, in the Web3 gaming space. But I'm, I'm trying to be patient on the, the venture side and acknowledging that this first wave of infrastructure is not an, an uh, you know, be all end all that that'll solve all problems moving forward. And there's going to be a lot to learn over the next couple of years as a lot of exciting content starts to to come out of the web three world. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so this next one here I've got for you, this is obviously always a tricky one, right? So regulatory pressure. Okay. This is always fun. And particularly, you know, with the always. recent implosion of FTX, which was completely unregulated in any capacity. And we saw all kinds of, you know, nonsense there. Gaming is its own type of, you know, special snowflake even. Uh, mm -hmm. Arguably, it sits slightly outside the jurisdiction of most ordinary regulators. But obviously, even in the past, we've seen, you know, problems with virtual currencies and, you know, who is a money transmitter and who isn't in some of these gaming gray markets. So when you move into a Web3 capacity where you have these digital bearer assets that carry real value, where do you see the regulatory pressure coming from? Do you think that's going to be an issue for the space? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's inevitable, right? And and it's it's coming. And things like FTX's collapse accelerate that. It opens up regulators' eyes and says, okay, there's a there's a real problem here. I think the 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 issue with things like FTX or, or BlockFi and and some of these other centralized assets that have have come crumbling down is the the problem isn't necessarily a technical one, right? It's a it's a human one. And in terms of making bad decisions in the form of poor risk management and honestly just being too aggressive because in, in the last year being aggressive was was correlated with success because everything was just going up and to the right and you were rewarded for being overly aggressive and just kind of hoping that that the uh, cards kept stacking and didn't didn't fall on you um, and as we're starting to see them fall you know there's definitely a, a trust impediment that's that's coming out of this and the the people that were already hesitant about web3 are even more hesitant and, and less willing to make the jump because it feels like a very unsafe place to play. And so I think that, yeah, it definitely slows things down. I don't view it as an existential issue for, for blockchain and, and blockchain gaming more, more uh, particularly, but I do think it, it just slows down the adoption from people that, that were already hesitant. Um, this is, this is one of those areas where I think gaming is, is actually a great use case for people to eventually come on um, where as the, as great content comes on board and, and games are, are built that people want to play uh, people will be willing to give it a shot, but we really just need use cases that, are, are sufficiently compelling for people to say, okay, I know I have a, a little bit of a weird feeling about this, but this looks like something I should try. And I think that'll, that'll get people on board. It'll just, it'll slow it down. I think undoubtedly it's, it's, it's a, it's a hurdle. Yeah. Agreed. And is there, you know, anything to date either from your own personal standpoint or even from convoys just in general that has got you really excited? Is there anything, you know, that folks should be paying attention to that you think people aren't paying enough attention to right now? It's an interesting question because there's always there's already so much happening in, in Web3. And honestly, people are paying attention to seemingly everything across Web3. As, as an infrastructure investor, I, I I would say just you know the 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 underlying pillars that are that are making Web3 gaming more accessible, I do think is is really exciting. Um, despite the fact that it's going to have to adapt to the content eventually. I think that the notion of of making Web3 uh, abstracted into the background, anything that does that is really what gets me excited. 
isolated. I think the, the more you can isolate Web3 and, and blockchain elements and take it out of the user's purview, I think is, is a great thing. Like there's, there's so much we don't know as gaming consumers about what's happening under the hood of our favorite games from a networking perspective. Um, you know, how, how, is, uh, how is the code actually being run? You know, how are we actually being match made against other players? All this stuff is things that we don't have to care about. When I, when I buy a skin through Riot or Activision, I don't care that I'm using Coda or PayPal or whatever their backend system is. It just doesn't matter to me. I just want the skin because I play the game. And so I think that I think that's still what I'm most excited about. And you know, I don't I don't think that's something that isn't getting enough attention. I just think there's uh, Web3 is already under a microscope, and so there's very few things that are really like bubbling under the surface that are being are being neglected. I think once we get past wave one and two and get into wave three, there there will be more room for creativity. But it's we're just not at a at a very you know creative phase outside of the content elements of of blockchain gaming right now. No, I, I I agree with that too, and I I like the ode to Wave Three, which we we aren't even near yet, which I'm very excited to see myself. I can't wait to see all this stuff completely move on to chain. But I agree, right? Like, no, no, when you open up your Chrome browser, right? Like, you don't consider what an HTTPS request is, or you know, like yeah. you, you don't go contact your TCPI. Like, none of this is, is is important anymore, right? So it will be abstracted. Blockchain will continue to evolve, and the UX will keep getting better. Um, mm. Philip, this has been a ton of fun. One last question here for you. You know, as an active participant yourself across Web3 Venture and building, you've seen a ton of things both succeed and fail. To those people right now who are trying to set out and build things for themselves, do you have any advice for them? Things they should look out for, things they should certainly do? Yeah, I think on the on the content side, what I'd say, and it might be a little counterintuitive, is really just like don't rush. Um, I think we've seen a lot of rushed project projects over the last year. Everyone's just trying to get their hat their name into the mix, and it makes sense, right? You know, having adoption cases are important. It's important to have content out there that people can be onboarded to in Web three, but don't do this at the expense of depth of your game. Obviously, if you're a hyper casual game, this this doesn't apply. But I think for for a lot of the larger skill games that we see, people are just trying to pump things out. And I think that there is there is merit in building iteratively and building in public, but don't just try to build, build a half baked game because you want to be the first game out there. Just try to build the content that you that you want to build, um, regardless of what's happening in the the, the Web three craziness. Um, I think on the infrastructure side, it goes back to our prior conversation around just keeping your eyes wide open around the content that is coming out and, and making sure that you're staying up to date on the needs of, of actual game builders. If you're if you're building tooling and you're not building a game odds are there are problems happening that you're you're not even aware of and i think creativity on the infrastructure side will continue to be driven by games and you can only go so far today but i think the, the next wave of winners on that side will be very responsive to the needs of, of the content that's being built so don't settle on just being a, a simple adoption case keep thinking about you know what are the next problems that that game devs are going to need and listen to them when they when they tell you that i think those are those are probably the two big high level things for each side of the house for now. I love it. I love it. Build iteratively, build in public, and really, really try to think about what people need tomorrow. Stay close to the games and stay close to the builders. Philip, this has been awesome. Thanks a ton for coming on. An absolute pleasure. Um, we, uh, we, we hope to see you guys around again. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Appreciate you having me on.